How is everyone doing? Blessed? Good. Um, I was telling uh, Sunday school class today that this has been a real challenging week for me personally. Um, On Sunday, I got home and discovered when I took off my makeup that I had like a little patch on my forehead of some hives and I have some allergies and some issues and so it's not uncommon but a little uh, unexpected. So anyway, um, that turned into full-blown hives over the next couple of days and so I had to go to the hospital and I'm on some pretty serious antibiotics, or I'm sorry, steroids at the moment, um, which have made me kind of crazy this week. And I thank my dad for just being so kind because I was not friendly to him at all, (laughs) at all. But anyway, um, so it's been a little bit of a challenging week, but at the same time, um, it's always uh, by God's grace and so awesome to even be up here and even to have made it this far this week because a few days ago I didn't even think that was going to be possible. So thank the Lord for that. I had been wrestling with a few things that I wanted to talk to you guys about, but I ended up going back to the original thought that I had in my mind that God had given me, which is discussing our Christian journey, which in certain scriptures, as we'll see as we look at the book of Hebrews, but we'll see that it is called a race or a marathon. So how many of you are runners? Raise your hand. All right. A few people run. How many have, have, have never run more than a mile? All right. How many of you actually hate running? I feel like that's most people. <laughs> most people don't like it. But anyway, what's interesting is that Paul and others, we see, refer to um, our Christian walk as a marathon. Now, if any of you know anything about running or marathons, I've run a few, that you have to train quite heavily for these things. And what is interesting that we see here is our spiritual uh, life and as Christianity as we do life, how it's equated to that is interesting because it requires a ton of steps and it requires a ton of preparation. And sometimes I think we forget that our Christian life is not so easy but requires a lot of preparation and it requires a lot of determination and it requires a lot of endurance. Um, sometimes we're not always up for the challenge. But God has equipped us with, with all that we need. So, okay, we're going to go into the text. If you want to go to the, this part, I just want to give you a, a glimpse of what we're talking about today. So if you're trying to unpack all of the things that I'm saying to you today and you want to kind of funnel it down, this is sort of where we're narrowing what we're talking about. It's running the Christian race is not for the faint of heart, yet God has equipped us with all we need to run in such a way as to get the prize. Okay? So that's, uh, did you want to write it? <laughs> Are you writing it down? You want to go back for them? Okay. She's like, go back, please. Uh, the text we're going to be looking at first is Hebrews 12.1. I'm sure some of you are familiar with it. Let me know when you're ready for me to switch on to the text so you can see it. I try to keep uh, all of it up for you so that you don't have to flip through your Bibles. Um, but if you want to follow along, go ahead. You want to go to the next one? Cool. Okay, I'm going to read this for you, and then we'll start to unpack it. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Okay. If you're looking at any points, um, my first point is that in our Christian life, we have to be intentional. Passion for Christ fuels sustained and intense effort. If you look at the text, if you want to go back again to the text just so you can see it, there's something interesting here. We see the word therefore. Now, typically when you see that word therefore, um, it's usually a transition word, right? Like nobody typically starts with therefore. Um, So there's something had to have happened prior in the text for us to get to this point where it now says therefore. So if you're if you look back at chapter, um, and you guys can do your own reading later, if you look at chapter 11, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses, and you see it here too. Since, therefore, since we are so surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we're seeing that this word is kind of offering us sort of a segue into what we just talked about, which is this great cloud of witnesses. Any idea what on earth, who are th- who's this great cloud of witnesses? All right, those exactly, people, deceased people in chapter 11 that you can read on later, um, who gave witness to the value and blessing of living by faith. Okay, so those are the people. Now, this is encouragement and it's motivation for us in running our own race. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need motivation because it's real difficult sometimes to do it by yourself. And if you can see that there are examples of people before you who did it, how much easier is it to keep going when you know that somebody else came before you? Okay. So that these folks are motivation for running the race. Um, However, I want to make this note, though. It's, you know, you're not just a spectator. That's what I want to make the comment. Um, as we look and we're motivated by people, we aren't then just sitting on the sidelines. This actually requires action by all of us, right? In this spiritual journey, as we continue to run this marathon, you and I are running it. Um, I'm not running it for you. And you're not running it for me, although we might be running together. But we are running our own race, meaning that you're not just a spectator. You have to be active and present. So it's requiring that we actually um, run a race. Um, however, we're encouraged by, by those who, who have run before us. Okay, go ahead and go to the next one. It says, run in such a way as to get the prize. This is an interesting thing because running in such a way as to get the prize makes it seem as though you can't just run any old kind of way, Right? So in order to get a prize means that there's a way in which it's required of you to run, which means there's a training that's required of us that's not just, you know, whatever, that there's a way actually to run and not get a prize, which is kind of what the text is saying. So we look at running in such a way as to get the prize. This kind of goes into the next one. Um, I'm going to read this text for you, and then I'll go into it. I think like my slide might have been out of order, but that's on me, so my bad. Um, so I'm going to read this text for you quickly, but I um, want to unpack another part of, of Hebrews. But let's read this really quickly, because this kind of fits into what that is talking about. So it says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, you guys know who wrote 1 Corinthians? Who? Paul. Okay. So Paul is speaking here, for those of you that did not know that. Um, it says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run 
that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. There again, again is that part about running in such a way to get the prize, right? So it says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not um, box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Interesting what Paul is saying here is that there's a run, we're to run in a way as to get the prize. Meaning that we have to be intentional, again, is what I was saying to you earlier. We have to be intentional in the way in which we approach our race. Now, there's something interesting. If you go to the next part, hopefully this is it. Here we go. Yes. Um, as I mentioned in Hebrews, there's a part that said, so you've seen this great cloud of witnesses. And then there's this part, and sometimes I think we forget this, which I don't know if I've always paid attention to this in the text, but I love this. But it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so clings. Which there is a, a, having weight on you, or even having sin in your life, hinders you from running. Now, I don't know about you guys, but you know how firefighters have to wear all that extra weight when they do their training because they have to save lives, right? But how much more difficult is it to do that? They actually have to go through real serious tests in order to do that. But with marathon runners, I don't know if you guys have ever watched those races when you've got people from all over the world who are running. They're generally not wearing a lot of clothing. It's like some shorts and a tank top, and they might have like a little belt so that they don't pass out so they can like drink some water or some of that goop. Um, but outside of that, they're not wearing anything else, meaning that there's weight that can hinder you from running your race. Do you know what that weight is? Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes it's your own thinking and the wrong thinking that hinders us from being able to run this race. Because, again, we're not spectators. We're not just looking on the sidelines cheering people on, which sometimes is wonderful, but we're in it, and we have to be in it. So laying in this, lay, running this race means we have to lay aside every weight and sin. We can't run with dead weight. And we can't also run with the wrong belief systems. Meaning there's a way in which we can approach God incorrectly, a way in which we can not look at the right things, but look at the wrong things, which hinders us from getting the prize, right? Because it says run in such a way as to get the prize. So I'm trying to keep it real simple, but if we look at running in such a way as to not get the prize, having a wrong belief system will hinder it. Having sin in your life will hinder it. Um, if we look at the sin in reference to Hebrews chapter 12, um, first it references unbelief, if we look at what the text is talking about. Refusing to turn away from, at that time, the Levitical sort of sacrifices to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ meaning that people were looking at all of these rituals and rules and legalistic behaviors as a way in which to live their life and not looking at the fact that Jesus Christ was it. He had been, he'd completed the race. He was the start and the finish. He's everything. And so they're looking to this Levitical sort of belief system and not looking to Jesus. Um, in our case, it's putting our trust in anything but Christ if we want to look at our own lives, which could be idols in our hearts. I didn't write the scripture down, but I'm just thinking about it now, and I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 2, but it talks about broken cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. And it talks about being appalled at this because 
the nations had forsaken their God, and they had taken up these broken cisterns, meaning these, again, wrong belief systems. They had taken in all of these things that God had said no, and they put this wicked stumbling block in their way. Do you know that if we have dead weight and we have stumbling blocks, we can't complete the race? So we've got to remove this weight and remove these obstacles. Taking, again, our eyes off Jesus is one of those things that helps us get entangled into all of these snares and traps. I don't know about you, but when, we, when you drive and you're in your car and you're just kind of driving down the road, what happens if you look left and just keep looking left while you're supposed to be going this way? Right? You took your eyes off the road. <laughs> you're going to get in an accident, right? Hopefully you're not going to hurt anybody, but you could get in an accident. That's the, the thought is if you take your eyes off the road, you're going to get in an accident. Okay. I love this quote. It's by John Piper. I'm reading it for you. It says, Pay close attention to what you're believing. Wrong beliefs weigh down your heart, entangle your feet, distract your attention, and deplete your energy. They will take you out of the race. You must identify what your weights are and resolve to do whatever it takes to lay them aside. You and I each have, what I love about that quote by Piper is that it references the fact that you and I each have different weights. It's not all the same weight. But it's a weight that we have to identify. So some of us, we're going to have to identify what our weights are. And it sometimes takes being in community with one another. That's the beauty of being in fellowship with the church, is that people can help you to identify what those weights are. um, And they can help you with that. But we've got to identify right what they are. Okay. Focus and training. What was the part before that? Go back. Okay, great. Okay. Focus and training. Focus and training. Now, focus. What happens when, again, we take our eye off the road? We have an accident, right? I'm going to read this, and I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have this text for you in, the, in this. Uh, as I was saying, it's been an interesting week. But I wanted to read this quote for you as we look at sort of focus and training. Um, we have to be thoroughly equipped. So we look at training our bodies. We have to be thoroughly equipped with the Word of God. We know that the Word is living and active. It's sharper than a what? You guys know the verse? Two-edged sword. Okay. Um, As Christians, as we look at being focused and we look at training, we have to have solid food. Moving from being immature to moving towards being mature. And as we continue to run the race, that's what the focus and the training takes. Do you guys know that as you move in your Christian faith, which I love how we use this imagery, is that when you start training, you cannot run as far as you could, can later on. So the first month, you might be a little bit slower, right? But by month two, three, five, six, if you're training, I know for me when I had to do a half marathon, the first I couldn't run 13 miles the first time I started running, right, or training. But as I continued to run, I was able to do that. Same with our Christian faith, moving from milk to meat. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. I don't have the verse, but I'm going to read it for you. You can also turn there if you like. But it says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, and here's that word, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It requires that we constantly are training our bodies and feeding our bodies with the word of God. Surrounding ourselves with people 
who can also help us run this race. Making sense? Okay. Because what's interesting, is that, as this text says in Hebrews, is that you are able to discern and, by constant practice, distinguish good from evil. Now, remember how we talked about those weights earlier? By training our bodies, it helps us to distinguish what those weights are. Distinguish what those stumbling blocks are that continue to hinder us from running this race. That continue to hinder us from moving in the way in which God has called us to move. So that we're not just running aimlessly, right? So that we're running in a way to get the prize. Oh, I did have it. See? My goodness. Didn't even realize it. Well, I did have it. Again, so I want to read it one more time. It says, The solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I think that might be. Okay, here we go. Last point, and I, I'm going to get you out of here pretty quickly because we know some of you are like so distracted about this Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're not. <laughs> Too funny. Okay. Enduring until the end. What is so important about our our walk and as we look at, you know, putting aside all of these things is letting us run with endurance. Do you guys know what endurance is? I'll give you an example or I'll give you a definition. It's steady determination to keep going regardless of temptation to slow down. Say it one more time. It's steady determination to keep going regardless of temptation to slow down or give up. It's steady determination. Now, again, as we look at this race and this marathon, and for those of you who have run before, or even if you work out or at all, do any sort of uh, strenuous activity if your jobs are stressful or anything like that, you know that there are times when you just want to stop. My goodness. I don't know how many times in training for the marathon that I had to run in training There would be days when I'd be able to run 10 miles, and then the next day I couldn't even run one. And I'd be struggling to get through six miles when I just the day before breezed through 10, like it was no problem, but struggling to do it. But what did I have to actually do? I had to endure, and I had to focus to get to the end of that. So when it says, let us run with endurance, when we look at the scripture again, when it says, let us run with endurance, the reference was to those Hebrews who had made a profession to Christ but hadn't gone all the way to full faith. They had not begun the race, which first starts with salvation. We look at this race, we're talking about race as a Christian. And if we are talking about this race as a Christian, that means we have to be Christians. So this is referring to the writer here inviting them to accept salvation and join in the race. Running with endurance. Again, having the steady determination to keep going, even though it looked hard. What I love about this text, if you want to go back to the, I think that might be, go to the last slide. Okay, now go back to the the first one. I'll I'll go back to that one later. But go back to the very first slide, which just has our main, uh, that one. There we go. Okay, it says, all right, so let us run with endurance the race set out before us. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who is the person who's going to help us in this race? Jesus. 
looking to Jesus. When you guys know that, that saying, I on the prize, Jesus, again, is the start and he's the end of the race. He was the start because salvation was required, and he's the end because he's the goal, right? The goal is we're going towards Christ. As we are in our Christian walk, we've been teaching in Sunday school, we've been talking about sanctification, which is the process of moving and maturity in your faith. But it's constantly moving in maturity. But who is helping us along the way? Not just the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus has saved us. So he's that, the, the one we're looking at. He's not just the example. He was the start and the finish. And why was he that? It says, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So when we compare our own spiritual journey as this race that we've been talking about, we look at the fact that Christ endured the cross. And as we look at how our own life, it gets hard and difficult, nothing was as hard as that. There's nothing that we can go through that is more hard than that. To digress quickly, um, I've been talking to my cousins. We've, uh, my, two of my cousins, we've just been trying to get better at, at connecting with one another. And we've been having some um, family things happening with my Aunt Robin and as we look at her health and as sort of deteriorating, we talked about um, how people often misquote um, saying that God will never put on you more than you can bear. And that actually is a really inaccurate uh, interpretation of that scripture because it's talking about temptation, not trials. Because if you look at Paul, he talks about being hard-pressed but not crushed. Hard-pressed means you can't bear. It means it's more than your ability to handle. And if we were able to handle everything that came on us, we wouldn't need God. So when people say, oh, God will never put on you more than you can bear, that's not true. Because he does. Because his grace is sufficient. Because his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. With what's going on with my body, with what could be going on with you guys, with what's going on with your health, and as we sit here and we have family issues and things that we don't understand and things that make us hard-pressed and hard-crushed, we know that we have somebody to look to. We have Christ. We have him to lean on. It's not us because I know it's so difficult. And when people tell you, oh, he'll never put on you more than you can bear, you just want to hit somebody sometimes. It's like, well, this is unbearable. And it's true. He puts things on us that are not bearable. But why? To show us that his grace is sufficient that his power is made perfect in our weakness, that we can't do it on our own. We need him. And it requires us to, to remember that we are lowly beings and that this race isn't easy. It reminds me of that endurance thing. You're running, and at some times you're going to want to stop. At some time it's going to be too hard to bear. But we look to the author and the perfecter of our faith, looking to the founder who is Jesus. Perfector. If we look at perfection, you and I are not perfect. Although one day we'll be like him, right? But we're not. But we're not perfect. But we're looking to him who is perfect. Um, he is the the author and the finisher of our faith, which is interesting. Which means to have the when we turn perfector, it really means having the idea of carrying through to perfect completion. So perfector, Jesus said it is finished in John 19.30, and that's what that's referring to. Perfecter means he did it. He accomplished it. Jesus persevered so that he might receive the joy of, a, 
of accomplishment of the Father's will and exaltation. Jesus is the supreme example of willingness to suffer in obedience to God. He faced hostility, he faced persecution, and he endured the cross. Last point is looking at what it means. Um, I'm going to the end here. I just wanted to read this, this verse for you, and I think this might be one of the, the last points, and then I'll move to the second part. But it says, um, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize, again, remember that prize, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Remember how we talked about running in such a way as to get the prize? Forgetting what's back there, forgetting about our trials and the fact that they are difficult and that they are hard, we got to move forward. We have to continue to move. What happens when you stop? What happens when you take your eyes to the left and to the right? The psalmist said, I walk, even though I go through or walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Does it say, even though I stopped in the valley and I hung out and I looked over there and then I waddled around and I like was angry and, and upset? No, it said I went through it. David even said at times that his tears were his food at night. There are going to be times when life is going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. But forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. Do you know what it means to strain? I am, my eyesight is just going crazy. And so when I don't wear my glasses, I'm like kind of squinting and, and winking. It's that sort of same um, imagery if you look at sometimes straining forward. It sometimes is a struggle. It's not always going to be an easy thing to go forward. So even if you have to strain through it, it still says go forward, right? And I press on to the goal, to the prize that God has called me upward, right? In Christ Jesus. There is great reward in being obedient to God. As we run this, journey, this race and as we continue to look at the weights that we're taking off, being thoroughly equipped means we're in our word means that we are surrounding ourselves with people who can help us in community. If you're struggling with something, the worst thing that you could possibly do is just isolate yourself and stay off in a corner. My dad, as when I was a kid, he used to watch like National Geographic and all those like weird animal shows. Um, like, oh, the lion is in the bush and it's going after the antelope. And you're like, oh, okay. He used to watch all those shows. And what I remember from having to sit there through that um, was there would be moments when um, a lion would be in the bush. And what animal is it going to get? Not the one in the pack. It's that one who's like off in a corner over there drinking by the brook by itself when everybody else is over there. That's the same thing that the devil does. You're isolated over in a corner. It's easier to get picked on. It's easier to get discouraged. It's easier to let self-doubt and those weights be picked up again, right? So that you're trying to run this race with weights. It's easy to do that when you isolate yourself. So it's important to remember and identify that when we need help from other people that we ask. And it's hard, trust me, I know. I don't like to ask people for anything. But 
that's the whole point of being in community with one another. As we run this race, even though it's on our own, we're still running it together. We talked about that great cloud of witnesses. They all ran, right? So again, the essentials requires our obedience to the word of God. And it requires sometimes that we draw near. Drawing near to God means he draws near to you. Do you know times when you've isolated yourself? It gets really hard to even pray. It gets hard to even think about the things of God. But sometimes we actually have to force ourselves to draw near. Drawing near, because then he draws near to us. Kind of focusing again, as we looked at training and equipping your body, is that training part means sometimes it's stuff you don't want to do. Sometimes we don't want to train, and we don't want to read our Bible, and we don't want to run, but we're still required to do it. And so even though sometimes it's hard, remembering that we draw near to God requires that we move forward. Last point is that we have a helper. And we talked about that Jesus has saved us and, and that um, we looked at him as being you know, the author and perfecter of our faith. But there is a helper. When Jesus left, he said that somebody was coming, a comforter, a counselor. Some say the paraclete, right, which in the Greek refers to the Holy Spirit. The helper. But Jesus is, but I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is our help. He helps us to continue on and continue the race. As we look at our, our salvation, as we look at sanctifying, that sanctifying process, the Holy Spirit is that one that moves us into maturity, right? So if we look at ourselves, if as we're running this race, when we get to the end, is God going to say God? Is God going to say to us, "Job well done," or is He going to say that you were disqualified? As we continue to run, my my thoughts for us, and as we leave here today and we think about these things, I have some questions for you, and don't you don't have to answer these, but think about these as you leave today. Am I at my full potential, or am I training with weights on? Am I even running at all? Have I, have I let my burden stop me from running this race? And my prayer is that God would help us to continue to run the race, that we would press on to receive the prize, that we would run in such a way that makes others want to join in, that we would live a life that's not mediocre Christianity, that's not just about coming to church on Sundays, but that we live a life that is fully about Jesus because he's the start and the end of the race. I'm going to pray for us, but thank you. God, um, we just thank you for being who you are. We thank you for even providing us with imagery that we can relate to so that we can study your word. Thank you for giving us the tools that we need to run this race. We're praying that if anyone doesn't know you today, that you would draw them, that your spirit would draw them, that you would save them, that they would start this race today. And that if we are not running in such a way as to get the prize, help us to lay aside all of the weight and the sin that is burdening us from doing so. Help us to get in Christian community if we need to, and let us be willing to ask for help if we need it. We thank you for all that you've done, and we ask that you would continue to be with us. In your name we pray. Amen.